0: All right, welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Joshua Black. Josh,
1: (laughs) what's going on? I'm doing good, Sean. Uh, It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to doing another podcast. This stuff always inspires me, always gets me excited to wake up in the morning. I I love this stuff. I don't know where it'd be um, without it. So, Thank thank you, Sean, again for really uh, starting this process off and getting this podcast going.
0: Yeah, and thank you to the listeners. Thanks for everybody who, you know, week after week, tune in to this show that we're doing, this humble podcast that we're putting together. Uh, we enjoy doing it, and we're just happy that you guys are along uh, the ride with us, you know, to, to listen to these guests, you honor them, and hopefully that we're all learning something together. I'm learning it every time we do an interview. On today's podcast, we have Jess Echimendi. and so he's got a business. He formed 174 Leatherworks. Um, And this is a discussion of how grief can be transformed through creativity. What began as one belt in a musky San Diego garage has become therapy for one leather worker. Forged through time, Jess's trade has become the vehicle he uses to transform grief. 174 was the motorcycle numbers of his younger brother. So each handmade piece tells one story from his life. Jess's mission is for the world to look past his brother's addiction to see a kid who passionately loved living and desired adventure. Jess, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, guys. You know, it's, it's interesting because I look at your Instagram and all the stuff you're doing, the leather stuff. I'm like, I'm so curious in that. And so you're the first person that has come on to talk leather. <laughs> so that's kind of yeah. cool. And how, uh, how you use it to help your grief and and process your grief. So, could you i guess first speak on how do you even get into le- uh, leatherworks?
2: Oh, yeah. So, um so leathering I think leather ring is what happened called leather <laughs> Leathering. Um yeah, I mean, some people call it like leather smith or like a le- leather crafter or um I just call myself a maker who just happens to use leather. So, whatever you want to use of those things, it doesn't matter. But I think um I think a lot of makers start off being really good with their hands and that's something I wasn't. I was kind of I never really gravitated towards the trades. I never really gravitated towards doing anything with my hands. Um I just needed a new like a like a belt that wasn't going to fall apart on me and cuz I had just been using so many belts and it felt like I was just going through more belts and and um not really getting anything that really lasted a long time. And so I just kind of figured, Hey, I might as well just try making my own. And I stumbled upon a a YouTube video that kind of ran through all the different steps of uh, do of making a belt. And it was funny. I, I, uh, I went into our local uh, to my local leather shop to kind of get all the supplies and there's all the stuff. I didn't know, like all these different tools. I was like, I don't know what, what in the world this looks like. And so um, so I get, I get into the the shop and I'm really excited. And, but the girl behind the counter was not excited to be working there. And I had all these questions of these different tools and she just kind of looked at me like, I don't really want to be here either. And I'm just like, Oh wow. So I ended up leaving and, um, but I still wanted to make this belt. And so I ordered all the pieces online and it got to my house and I went through every step and, um, just the way that, um, just the way that it all kind of went together was just a, such a, I don't know, I can kind of say it's like a mystical experience of, of being able to use my hands uh, to to make something for myself that I could use um, even to this day. And um, just the feeling of, of the blade running through the leather and, um, you know, um, but the quality of what I made being totally dependent upon my attention to detail um, was something that captivated me from the beginning. And I was so excited to show my brother this belt that I had made, but that weekend, he ended up passing away. So that's kind of how this all started.
1: Wow, that's pretty interesting. That is all because you needed a good belt. You'd think people would have made good belts yeah. by now, but I guess not. You, think, so,
2: you know? Yeah. yeah, you know, one thing I learned was um, kind of in the process of, of sourcing the leather at first was that there are actually four different grades of leather. And actually, uh, genuine leather is not even real leather to begin with.
0: Yeah, you know that's amazing. So my only other experience with someone who does this type of work is I used to work in a in a facility. I was a supervisor, and one of my employees, his name was Ed DeBrida. Shadow Ed, I'm gonna make you listen to this. But Ed, um, <laughs> do leather work on the side. And one day, um, I had my dog, and he's like, "Hey, you know, you should get you should uh buy one of my collars for your dog because he makes dog collars." And I was like, "Yeah, you know, it is." Oh, what cool. It is, you know? Uh, you know, what's the difference? And then he showed me, just like you said, like he actually, I had a belt on at the time and it was this crappy belt and he cut it. He's like, look at this, see, this garbage belt. <laughs> and then yeah. he, I ended up getting a nice belt from Ed. But um, nice. he talked yeah, to me and he, he showed me that the work that goes into it, the stitching, the equipment you need, the sewing equipment, the leather, it, it's just, there's a big right. difference that you guys know that uh, all of us regular people don't know this. And he made this beautiful, yeah. beautiful piece for my dog. And it's just to know that you have something that's made through the hours by hand, special, unique. You can't find that collar really anywhere else. So, yeah, I, I hear you. And and that's amazing. And and it's just incredible to hear that you gotten into that. What are some of your special, your favorite pieces that you've done since then?
2: So I've really drifted into making um, bags that's kind of been where um, my focus has been probably the last three or four months. Um, You know, um, when I first started out doing this, um, I thought it was interesting because I had always been under the impression that genuine leather was, was real leather. Mm -hmm. And um, through this kind of process of learning how to, you know, source leather and all this different stuff, I ended up learning that uh, genuine leather is really when they take all of the leftover pieces from good leather and then they, they, they glue it together and then they spray paint it. And so that's why it flakes. It's because it's just bound. It's just all the leftovers just glued together and spray painted. And um, so, you know, when, when when people go to buy leather, you know, always look for, for full grain. That's That's the top part of the animal where all the fibers are the closest together. And so as you move down the animal, the fibers start to separate. So, you know, when you buy full grain, the fibers are as tight as they can possibly be so that when you wear that specific piece, um, you know, it, it, will hold up. Um, but when you start with genuine leather, the fibers are almost already separated. Um, but yeah, I would say for the past three or four months, I've been really passionate about developing a bag line because my life is just, I'm always on the go. I'm always, you know, I I travel a lot for work and, um, I travel on the weekends as well. And, um, so right now I'm in the process of developing my first backpack that will actually, I'm going to build that on Friday and um, I'm incredibly excited about how that's going to come out.
1: That's so cool that you're, you, there's so many different ideas and you're on a new one right now. Um, right when you're on the podcast, I'm curious. Yeah. So why, why go yeah. backpack? Is that like a, there's a need or people saying, or is it just because you want one <laughs> like
2: for your travel? You know, I just, um, yeah, you know, I stopped. I stopped worrying about what I would produce when I stopped worrying about what people would think about my line. So when I stopped, you know, at first I really wanted to develop a line that, that people would find um, a lot of utility in, you know, a lot, I, I really wanted to, I really developed products based upon what I thought people would want. And, you know, really that's just kind of chasing the wind because, you know, people could want a one pocket wallet or they could want a 10 pocket wallet and um, I had to kind of take a a, um, a little bit of time off and just really realize that you know um, I wanted to build stuff for myself in the beginning, and that's kind of what I've drifted back to. So the backpack is just something that I would really need in my own life, and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of a uh, that's kind of where that's all coming from. And then it's interesting though, but you know when you stay true to yourself and when you stay true to what what really works for you, kind people kind of follow along with that instead of just trying to chase this idea of what I think people would want to wear or what it should look like. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I know. Definitely. I like that sort of philosophy where it's like, if it's mm-hmm. good enough, people will come along. You know, like if you know what you're doing yeah. and you know who you are, the biggest thing like, I think in anything we're doing, even with me, like doing the grief dream stuff, you know, there's a ton of people that thought it was stupid, you know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then look at me now, right now they're all jumping on board and stuff. So and they're okay with what that's I'm That's so interesting.
2: You, wow, that's that's so interesting. Yeah. So wow. you have
1: to you have to stay true to yourself in whatever you're doing, and just sort of have have your own gauge on what's working, what's not. Like not not being too yeah. stubborn, but just enough so you're doing what you want to do, and then are you happy with that work once you've done it? And so I'm really curious to see what this yeah. backpack looks like. How long do you think it would take to make uh, something like that?
2: Um, it's looking about it's looking about like four to five hours for the first one but you okay. know that's, that's such a good point you that's such a good point you bring up because um when i saw your podcast um because i started following you through a uh through another channel that i've been building um companion collective and um when i saw your channel and what you're doing i thought that's like the most interesting interesting take on this kind of phenomenon i thought that was such a such an interesting take and I, I just love how it's something that is a part of you instead of what you feel like people would, you know, smash the like button for.
1: Mm. Yeah. We I don't, I don't think I've gotten into taking selfies too much yet, but uh, <laughs> I, hear, I hear that's a good like <laughs> button. Yeah. I, I, um, it, right. have a que- I have a question,
0: Jess. Do you, um? Yeah. do you um document your process? Because I think that would be very Absolutely. interesting. I'd be interested in, maybe a steps along the way of how you make the backpack, how, what tools you use.
2: Um, you know, I because I yeah, think like, so, yeah, go ahead. So I had, a, I had a really good friend who he works at a marketing agency and they came and did this whole video on my story of how this, this all came about. And so you know, they wanted to showcase all this different stuff. And people thought it was hilarious that, um. My, so I have two sewing machines. The first sewing machine I bought off of Craigslist in the desert off of this old boy who, uh, <laughs> who was, uh, didn't know how to work it. And he sold it to me for $50 and I had to fix it up. And the, uh, the second one I got free from Disneyland, if you could believe it or not. <laughs> but uh, my aunt, my aunt has a friend at Disneyland and they decommissioned their main sewing machine that they had used for years to sew all the banners. And she has, she had an in there and they're like, Hey, you know, we're, we're getting rid of this old thing. And, uh, would you be interested in it? And she's like, no. Well, I have a nephew who does this kind of crazy stuff. So I'll yeah. take it and just give it to him. And they said, we'll just give it to him. So I, I have the sewing machine for Disneyland. It's like, garage. That's wild. <laughs> it, it's amazing how yeah. things
1: can come together for you, right? Like, no one's ever offered me a sewing machine. You know, hey, like, so you know like, it's like, it's interesting like, who you are can like, bring certain things your way.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny because, all you know, the the further I run from this kind of stuff is that the closer it comes to me, you know, it's like I don't have the money to front, you know, for a brand new sewing machine. So I kind of just let, let the universe kind of bring it to me and it just always does. And I just, it just is a, it's something I don't even understand myself, you know, I'm just poor trying to make leather goods, you know? <laughs> 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 it's like,
1: but actually i do like sean's thing about documenting even through photos of some of the processes of making uh your bag but i think that is very interesting and we're living in a world now where like people are interested in this stuff um especially if they're following you yeah so like i know i'm super when he said that i'm like yeah man like why doesn't he have that <laughs> you know like
2: i, yeah, I would so want to see, some... see you do this right yeah so i have i have some photos on the i have some photos on my instagram that uh that you can check out um uh, but the uh you know, the, the, the thing that is most interesting about this conversation is that this stuff used to be taught in the schools of all things. And some of like the masters of leather work, um, George Hurst from Tandy Leather, he, he came from the schools, you know, from them teaching this stuff. Um, you know, it used to be leather, leather work used to be there just alongside woodworking. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think a lot of these trades have, um, have been replaced by automation and i think nowadays people kind of want to return to this idea that the, of, uh, of of quality craftsmanship and there's this appreciation for something that takes a long time to make but it will last a long time and so yeah, yeah i a, think that's an interesting conversation
0: that's a great point and i think that we are turning you know we've been turning the corner for a while on that away from uh kind of the Mass uh, mass manufacturing of goods and services like you know, mass, you know, regular uh, genuine leather belts you can get from Walmart and whatnot that are ten dollars each.
2: Yeah, the, the yeah. stuff at Walmart they even just branded it as man-made material. It's not even mm. I don't even know. It's not even it's not even leather. It's not I don't even know what it <laughs> is. You know? Yeah, it's Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? it's
0: something that someone you know mixed in some vat. But I think we're getting away from that into more handmade mm-hmm. and and individual pieces. Like in Instagram, I've seen a, a lot of these that are super popular, like people who are making their own knives and selling those, people who are, you know, making uh, canoe paddles or, you know, whatever it is. I have a friend who does you know, amazing woodworking. And I think that I you know we we start we're starting to you know understand the Again, the uniqueness of someone making an individual mm. piece, designing it with the best materials, using the best wood, using the best leather, using the best metals, and then mm. now finding value in that piece and wanting to purchase it and bring it home so we can use it every day mm. and, and look, at, look down at the knife or look down at her belt and be like, man, this is an awesome belt. This meant something. This means something to me. This isn't something I'm going to mm. throw away next year because it's going to rip and I'll just get another one. It's something that, you know... And that actually... And and just, you know, my last point on that is I think that's anti-consumerism uh, because I think your product will last 10 years. Your product will last longer than that. So you're actually – you're stopping people from having to buy more stuff because, you know, you have mm-hmm. a belt or you have a bag that's going to last a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my idea.
2: Right. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting point because, you know, when I go to make something or when I put something into production, even though I might not design it for – I don't design it based upon what I think is the best utility for someone. I, um, I I look at every product and I'm like, is this the absolute best that I can do for my customers? Like, did I go to every length? Have I covered every base here to make sure that they are, they are getting something that they can have for the rest of their lives. And, and, you know, people have asked me like, what's your, what's your goal in this? Like, is it to make a set? Yeah. I've had people ask me some crazy stuff like you know is this is the goal here to make a saddle like what's the is it the goal here to make a backpack and i tell them that's not like you're missing the point like the point of the reason what i do is because i want someone's kid to have one of my pieces someday like i want i want a man to give his son something that i made and for that to last that long um that's the point here like that's the mission so yeah so everything's made with this idea of like, did I go to every length to make sure that this is going to make that trip? <laughs> so, you know,
1: that's cool. I, yeah, I can only imagine what people have asked you along the way.
2: Oh, man, I can't bring it up on here. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, you, 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 yeah, you, you said it,
0: you know, you said it, like I said, like, you know, I have a custom um, dog collar dog and but i also have like a a leather leash and Mm. you know it's special it's something that i'm gonna have with me for for forever and 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 i rely on those pieces that leather leash is dependable it's 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 just a beautiful it's got a it it ages well you know it's it doesn't Mm. stretch too much you know like you start to notice these things when you have these leather pieces and 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 they develop a, a character of their own so i feel you
2: yeah, like so, one of the things I love the most is when people are like, "Wow, you made this for me!" Like, this is something that you you thought out, and this took you time. And um, yeah, not everyone's like that. Not every customer really appreciates that. But the ones that do, like that's that's the nectar of this. Like that's the sweetness of yeah. handmade industry.
1: Well, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, because there's certain people that really like just talking to them. Like, man, I need to get some genuine leather. Like, <laughs> like fine grade. <laughs> what was it called? Fine grade. Oh, full grain, yeah oh, full, full grain. grain, yeah, full grain,
2: yeah, you haven't know it yet, but yeah, yeah you like, know talking- at the end of the day,, yeah, you know at the end of the day my my brother treated people with so much respect and love, and all the friendships that he had were so intentional, and i try to I try to bring that into the relationships with my customers, like the people that I work with or like the people that that see my stuff, like I want that same I want that same love that he showed me to like translate into the way I treat my customers so you know my brother was the most um he just took so much time to make sure his friendships were detailed and that he he paid attention to what his friends wanted and, and liked and you know he was the guy that there'd be a birthday you know they were you know 20 years old he'd be he'd be still bringing birthday gifts to kids you know to you know to his friends he says hey i had thought of you you know and it's just like that kind of that kind of intention is like what i want to carry with my customers
1: i yeah, think it's beautiful because it like, even now, I'm like, man, I want to buy one of your leather belts. And, you know, like, it's cool because, you know, like, at the end of the day, before, I would be like, whatever, right? It's it's cool. But now it's like, once you, mm. there's a there's a passion in you that really rubs off and like, and there's something about the product that you're making that makes it extra special, you know? And so let's talk about yeah. your brother some more because I think, you know, like, oh, there's, sure. there's going to be a lot of gems here in knowing him. And as you were just saying, mm. how he's so attentive to detail with his friends. You know, and I think that's Mm -hmm, a beautiful quality that even some of my friends um, sitting beside me just sometimes aren't. (laughs) Mm,
2: Yeah. Hey. Yeah, you know, I, you know, it's funny because like I never got to make a piece for my brother. Like he never got to Mm. see any of this. And so every, everything that I make, I kind of have this mentality that like, this is the piece that my brother's going to get. And I carry that mentality whenever I start a client's project. Is like this is this this is the piece that's going to be in my brother's hands, and that's kind of been this guiding principle of quality that kind of you know kept me straight on this. So yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's talk about him. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah. So him being your younger brother, did you pick on him? <laughs> oh yeah, we fought. We, oh, we fought like dogs in the beginning. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's funny? Like, I used to pick him all the time, and my dad would say, Hey, you know, one day he's gonna be bigger than you, he's gonna whoop your butt. And I said, Wow, man, he's a scrawny little kid, it's never gonna be that. And sure enough, that's what happened. My dad was like, I tried to tell you back in the day, you know. So, yeah, we fought all the time. I mean, who doesn't, you know? <laughs> so, when did okay. that relationship change?
1: When between like you guys were just fighting and like whatever for him, for you guys to develop that deep
2: bond? Um, you know, um, I went through a really religious stage in my my early twenties, and um, it really distanced us. Like we didn't have the best relationship ever. Um, I was just kind of on on trying to figure out who I was, and my brother had my brother grew up really sick. You know, he had um uh, mercury poisoning as a kid, and it it ruined his um it ruined his uh what's what's the word like it, he wasn't able to read until about the eighth grade. Um, he wasn't able to write until about the eighth grade he just had he he grew up so sick and um, we ended up finding out a lot of his um sickness was due to um his uh um, exposure to mold we lived in or we grew up in oregon and um you know for instance like we'd be playing legos together and next thing i know my brother would would you know have a bloody nose and be banging his head on the on the on the on the on the floor because he just his head hurt so bad and he, i mean i grew up with my brother he uh um uh, he didn't wanna be exposed to bright colors because it hurt his skin, so he just always wanted to wear black and you know his room he wanted it black because it hurt his eyes, and you know it was uh it was a it was difficult growing up with that you know so um you know my life kind of took the back seat for those initial years and but we all of us in my family had this understanding that it was to get my brother well and um so yeah we we drifted a little bit in my early 20s and then we came back really strong um when he was 21 and we just had it man we were closer than close i mean as close as brothers could be we were, we were each other's best friends that's all i can say wow
1: that's cool that's really interesting and i'm I'm glad you guys got to be back together so what was it was it you that came back in the sense of
2: your oh yeah it was me. yeah it was just it was like yeah, I just had a different change of perspective on it. And, you know, he, he was along the same lines. And I just, we just kind of both were like, hey, you know, like, let's forget this dumb stuff. Like, let's just be brothers. And from that point, you know, we just did everything together. I mean, I mean, we'd go to dinner, we'd hang out, we'd go to the bars together, which is, it was everything that should have, that was, you know, your ideal idea of brotherhood was what we had for the last for the years leading up to his death and um you know just i've never i've never been able to find a friend like him and i can't i can't think of anything better to do with my life than to commit my free time to um this brand so wow.
1: that's beautiful and i'm curious so he must have rode motorcycles
2: yeah yeah so that was um so that was like his escape from like all of his mental problems growing up like his escape was motorcycles and skateboarding. Like, um, you know, just last weekend, I took a trip up to my hometown of Corvallis, Oregon, and I haven't been back in 13 years. And um, just got to see all, of the, all of the spots that we grew, grew up riding motorcycles and skateboarding. And it just reminded me so much of my brother's love for these things. I mean, he was so passionate about motorcycles. He just ate it up. He loved it.
1: That's cool. Yeah, I've never been on a motorcycle. Sean, have you?
0: Yeah, I've been on, not driving one myself, but in India, people, people ride a lot of motorbikes and stuff. So I've been on the back of uh, a few motorcycles. It's incredible. Very freeing, liberating. Yeah. It just feels like you're flying almost.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: So, so it makes sense with the, uh, the escape. And so Jess, did you, do you ride too?
2: Um, I did, I did, I did not like riding growing up. That was like, I, I mean, I remember um, my dad had bought us a little Honda and uh, he was trying to show me how to use the clutch. And I popped, I popped pop the, I let the clutch go too fast. And I, I supermanned into our uh, local neighbor our, uh our local uh, uh, mailbox. Oh. And I was like, at that point, I was like, yeah, a, the motorcycle thing in me was not, was not thing. So I grew up riding a, a quad, and he was on, on like a dirt bike, like normal, you know, two wheel dirt bike. And, um, you know, after he passed, after he passed, I just, I wanted to try to reconnect with him in some ways. Like I've never, I've never really, some people kind of report feeling close to their loved ones when they pass. I, that wasn't really my experience. And, um, I kind of figured I I thought I'd tap into something that my brother really loved. And so I bought a little Honda street, street bike, which my brother would not have been okay with And even though it scares me to death, whenever I'm on my bike, I, I, I just feel a closeness to my brother through his love for motorcycles.
1: That's actually so interesting how you hear that with music and other things like pictures and you know clothes, why not like a motor vehicle that's so, that's so cool, and it's nice that you can have that where when you're driving, you're, like, you almost feel him, i guess you say present in, in a sense because you're, like you're embodying something that he wouldn't ride himself, but <laughs> he'd be mm. proud that you're riding something like that.
2: Yeah, I was super against it myself. So to be riding a bike, it's like, what am I doing? You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm out there on the freeway, like, oh, man, this is this is this is a little out of my comfort zone. <laughs> but also,
0: you know, you know what's cool though, it's because you're you're still appreciating and enjoying what your brother's essence was like that's his essence you know obviously that was his essence you know skateboarding motorcycle takes a a certain person with with a little bit of a wild side to kind of embrace that and i I could
2: and that's never been me
0: (laughs) (laughs) but but through that like it's it obviously has taught you a little bit it's kind of like you know i don't know it seems like it's it's touched you in a way and and taught you something a little bit different you know, we all got to get, yeah, out of you our, know, like, yeah, comforts, right. We all got to get out of that. And and what better way to maybe jump into your brother's comfort for a little bit.
2: Right. Like I, I remember riding that little, that little Honda I had out to uh, Arizona and it was so underpowered on the freeway. And I, I didn't think I was going to make it when I got there. Um, You know, cause I just had a normal jacket and uh normal i didn't you know i don't have the black leather i just had like a you know just a normal jacket you know what i'm saying like just a tan jacket or something and i pull up there on my honda and i was so proud that i made the ride didn't think i would and i realized i was at a harley davidson show and i'm like everyone's looking at me like and i'm looking (laughs) at them like what's wrong and they're looking at me like why why are you here
0: yeah
2: you don't look the part (laughs) i don't look the part and at the concert at the concert like they had like a Little shout out, and the announcer was like, We all ride bikes that start with H, right? And I was about to go, Yeah, Honda. They were like, <laughs> And it doesn't start, and it's not a Honda. And everyone's like, Yeah, forget Honda.
0: <laughs> and I'm just like
2: in this middle of 10,000 people, just like, Oh man, I've, I got the wrong bike, I guess. I love my bike, you know? So <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny. It's, could you tell us about, because uh, you said like the. Your company is his. The motorcycle number is sort of one seven four mm-hmm. that your brother had. So how does how does someone get a motorcycle number? Is he part of a club or something?
2: Well, uh, was just. I think that was just. Uh, that was his numbers. I mean, he did, you just choose different numbers for what you want to be, you know, um, known for. And you can you know two numbers or I think it goes up to three numbers. And oh. um, yeah, that's just that's just those numbers he that he chose. Oh, and just goes
1: on, so he just wore the wore it on his vest or something?
2: Yeah, yeah, so he just had it. they had, like, they get jerseys made of it and stuff, and we still have all that in our shop, and, yeah, so, that's what he,
0: yeah, the numbers for a motorcycle is kind of like a, a nickname, if you, just trying to make sense.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like a nickname, I guess. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs>
2: that's awesome. I not yeah. you know. Yeah, I think that they, he just chose those numbers, and, um, you know, that's, uh, that's what he went with. So. Did you ever ask him what why those numbers? You know, he, for a long time, he was 316, and um, he switched over to 174. It, those are just three numbers that, I guess, worked for him. And I don't really know exactly. That'd be a good question to ask my dad. I got to get on him on that one. But um, I don't even think he knows is the thing. <laughs> we, he just came up with these three numbers, and you know it was like okay we're he switched I mean I guess it's not a big deal for them to switch so it's it didn't really make a didn't change a lot so yeah
1: interesting interesting and you mentioned in the bio that he suffered from an addiction you want to talk about? yeah that?
2: so sure yeah so um gr- so I told you guys growing up he was really sick right and um we had a doctor in portland that uh, was a doctor of natural medicine that you know worked with my brother his whole life and he told uh he told us that you know the when this kid finds a way to escape this he's you know you're gonna lose him, and we were told this when my brother was about uh maybe 11 or 12 years old and um yeah it it came true um when my brother found drugs it was uh it was an escape from, from the pain that he lived with. And, um, it was, uh, it was a way out that didn't require any kind of, you know, work. So, um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know the progression of things with that, but you know, that was, those were the, those were terrible years for sure. And <laughs>
1: did he ever actually kick it or was he always, did he die sort of addicted?
2: Um, he, he had a collarbone, he broke his collarbone riding motorcycles. And unfortunately, um, you know, he was, he was exposed to a lot of painkillers through that process and he ended up getting addicted to, you know, those, those, those drugs. He had kicked, he'd kicked the habit for about five or six years when he was racing competitively then when he, when he broke his collarbone and you know, was exposed to those drugs. That's where the 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 addiction started was with the pain was with the pain medication. And, um, yeah, so that was, uh, man, I can't, that's a, that's a rough subject. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's all over the media now,
1: especially with the painkillers, yeah. how, you know, like people are getting addicted to this stuff and, and it's yeah. the doctors who are prescribing it. And like, what can we do um, about
2: that? He got me i mean it's just it was the saddest thing to watch my brother go through that because up until that point he had he was sober he was doing great he was racing i mean he was in the best shape of his life he was just loving life and then he, he had this accident went in for you know surgery and comes out an addict so i i don't know wow. uh i got a lot of i got a lot of words for people in that industry <laughs> you know it's just yeah there's and, a it's you know. it's
0: yeah, it's tough hearing it. And it's also tough, you know, listening to you talk about your brother's journey, you know, having the sickness early on suffering through that pain, and then having uh, the pain that he went through and the pain of going through addiction and going through all that. And, you know, it's not a fun time, obviously, for him. And and, but yet still, now it it helps me understand a little more how someone can get so into Mm -hmm. motorcycling, and the passion and you know, the freedom of that, yeah, it after, was, you know, after being in like, yeah. kind of like a, what, what, like almost like a prison that addiction is, you know, that's not a fun mm. place. And to be then no. to be able to go on a motorcycle and be a little free for a bit, you know? Mm.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And so, yeah, so I've chose, so 174 really focuses on the best years of his life riding a motorcycle. That's why the logo is a wheel wing. Cause those were like the times when he was the freest, like that was, that was when he was the, doing so well, and then with his collarbone um, injury, that's kind of where all this kind of was the downfall of all this. And it's the sad thing is that my parents are part of a grief a grief group, and you wouldn't believe how many, how much, how prevalent this stuff is. It blows my mind to this day.
0: Yeah, it's it's a reflection of society, and we, we have to look at that closely because it's our loved ones, it's our families, it's our youth you know there's Mm. if we all know that you know that prescription meds and a lot of you know medications and stuff is a problem and it's becoming rampant and it's being abused through the system through it all you know that that's that's painful to sit through as as a society i think seeing young people suffer you know people take people take it because they have pain in their lives and uh emotional physical all this and uh it's, it's something that I hope we can, I think obviously talking about it is a big part of it. And I think that uh, talking about it and trying to be that change, which you definitely are, you know, telling that story. Yeah.
2: Like, yeah. Like, you know, there's a, there's a family of my parents in that, in that grief group. um, That's actually the affiliate of, of what I'm doing with companion collective. That's kind of like our, our parent company. Um, There's a, there's a family there whose son um, uh, was a champion, karate karate martial artist he ended up getting hurt not the same way my brother did but he had he went in for a routine operation and they gave him the same drugs and he 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 became a heroin addict he he ended up passing away on christmas day from from that addiction stemming from that surgery and these are some these are some pretty very powerful chemicals you know what i mean and how,
1: like, do you see? Because the issue with you know people dying from addiction also is that those people who are trying to grieve aren't um, acknowledged because they almost like people around sometimes will become very uh, judgy and they'll blame the uh, the death on the victim in some way or the the person who died because they had addiction, so it's not yeah. as serious. Do you did you find that in your loss where people weren't taking your loss? Seriously? Oh, ab-
2: oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I couldn't, yeah, I can't, I can't describe the things that were said to, to me and my family in this kind of, uh yeah, there's such a stigma on it. Absolutely. Yeah, there's still very much a stigma uh, related with this that is not respectful to the addict. And my brother told me, told me clear as day. He's like, do you think I want to do this? Like, do you think I really, do you think this is what I chose for my life? And um I think a lot of those i think a lot of that those real kind of conversations are starting to kind of happen, but I think we're a long way off from from society being okay with it, you know what i mean yeah so, do you, do you remember ending any... it I was so lucky huh sorry, sorry to cut you off go ahead oh I, oh yeah, I was just so lucky at the time i had a i had a i uh, had a girlfriend at the time whose family just supported me at, like no other like they i mean they were as close as my own family. And I, I was able to talk to them through a lot of this. And um, her dad gave me work at the time. And um, I did they they helped me out so much like they came from such a um, a loving perspective. And I just can't thank them enough for for helping me in that time because they, they weren't judgmental at all, even though they didn't technically understand. And I mean, who really can, you know, but um but they they are the ones that really helped me build 174 like um i can't they're they are fantastic people
1: Yeah, so i think that's a good leeway to why do you even start the the company you know like where was it in your grief process to say you know what i'm gonna i'm guessing you're already making some leather i'm gonna actually turn this into a business and honor my brother
2: right um yeah so um so i first started out um I started out just not even, I started just making, making stuff. I didn't put, I did, I never thought I'd make a brand. I, I was just making goods. I was just doing belts. Never thought it would turn into, never thought it would turn into an actual company or a brand. Um, and then one night I came home from work. I was working at Home Depot at the time and I was working on a belt for myself and I just was missing my brother so much that I, I stamped long way home on the back of the, of the belt. And uh, I just thought, man, it kind of has a good ring to it, you know. And uh, I kind of, I was like, oh, I guess I'll make an Etsy with the Long Way Home, and um, and that was actually the start of this. Was actually the very start of all this. And um, I branded it as Long Way Home for maybe about six or seven months. And um, I had a conversation with with my girlfriend at the time, and I was just saying, you know, I really, I really want to use this trade to 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 bring awareness of of who my brother was because there was this. At the time, there was so much stigma and people just had this idea of who he was and his addictions and all this and whatnot. And I wanted to kind of clear the air and I didn't really know how. And so we we had this idea that we would, you know, make this brand that would honor the best years of my brother's life to to show people that this was a kid who didn't choose this. This was a kid who didn't choose to be an addict. He didn't he didn't wake up one morning and just thought, oh, you know, all these crazy drugs. That sounds like a good life for me, you know and uh so that was the beginning of all this and um her parents ended up buying my first hide of leather that helped me get off my get off get my feet off the ground and that's where that's how this all started
1: that's cool that's a very interesting you have a very interesting journey and you, you have a good head on your shoulders too i'm
2: curious about this Well, i never thought it'd be anything yeah. I, I never thought this would be something I, I I didn't set out with this idea that I was going to make money or be cool or be interesting or like you know. Now you're cool, right? Wasn't even popular. <laughs> not even.
1: <laughs> I'm the, I have
2: the I have the worst social anxiety of anyone you'll ever meet. You know, I really? I tense up like no, you know, I'm serious. I, I did I did not choose this. I would rather not choose this. You know, <laughs> so um, I just don't want to be in the spotlight. That's why I want my brother to be in the in the spotlight, but I don't even think he'd want to be in the spotlight to be honest. With you guys. <laughs> Actually,
0: well, that, that leads to my next question. When talking about spotlight, you find, you know, doing this podcast through the work that we're doing, it stimulates a lot of conversation amongst people I meet in my normal life. Do you find that you're having that now? Do you, do, are you meeting people and, and having conversations that you never would have had because of you talking about your brother's story? And the work that you're doing.
2: Oh yeah, well, it's interesting to see how many how many um, um, th- different brands have have um, have reached out have reached out to me and are um, they, they want to know more about my brother. Like for instance, the other day I got a phone call um, from this brand, Behold and See, that. Um, that want to work with me and this other uh, company the international motorcycle show just just calls me out of nowhere and says hey we saw your brand online we want people to know about your brother and i'm like oh good great sounds <laughs> let's do it <laughs> you know um wow. so yeah these kind of conversations and then and then from there i'm able to go to the trade shows and all this and whatnot and then i'm having conversations with people at the trade shows that want to, that want to know more about my brother and addiction and all this and whatnot and how My brother never set out to be an addict and how this was uh, and there's just so much awareness and these amazing conversations get to stem stem from it and people really walk away um, not only learning a little about my brother, which is what it's about, but they have a respect for addicts. Like they understand they have this kind of uh, a different perspective on it and it's really important to me.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's it's a vibe that I'm getting and and obviously this podcast is a part of that you sharing uh, what you do, you sharing your brother's story. And I can imagine that, yeah. yeah, you're, you're, it's changing you and who you are. You said before, you know, you're generally, I guess, I don't know, you would say a shy guy, not really into that, but yeah, it sounds like that's, this is opening up a different door for you in terms of, um, being able to connect with people on a different level, obviously. And, you know, I, I just love the fact that, you know, it's not, you're, again, you're not just out there just selling belts or selling wallets or selling purses and whatever, as a means of in and itself, you know, because this came from something so creative and beautiful, this came from just an idea of a longing of, of a connection with your brother, and I think you telling that story is is touching people and 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 that's amazing
2: you know yeah it's it's, it's cool, I mean, when you walk away from an interaction and people they get to know a little about your brother. And uh, even though my brother's not here with me, if I can if I can give them a little bit of what he's given me, then it, then it, that's what this is all about. Because my brother loved so selflessly, and um, and he was the least egotistical person I've I've met to this day. And if people can kind of just get a little bit of that, I think it can I think it can be a small step towards breaking um, the stigma around addicts, and they can people can see an addict for really who they are and that's just people who are trying to be free like the rest of us. And I think that's the spirit of 174 is, is freedom. And, um, you know, unfortunately this, this thing with the, with, with the prescription of these powerful drugs is uh, it's a very serious conversation to have. But if people can see my brother for someone who just wanted to be free of all of the addictions and wanted to live life like the rest of us, I, I think it's a small step in the right direction if you know what I mean.
0: Absolutely. And you know, people, hopefully that and i could see this happening but they come up to you and then they get to hear your your story they get to hear your brother's story and you know a lot of times you know most of the time people coming up to you have their own stories they want to share and then they walk mm-hmm. away with yeah. a piece whether it's a wallet or it's a belt and hopefully they can use that to then help them remember their loved one and, you know they can go mm-hmm. move on in their life you know anytime they look down at their wallet or, or take out their wallet or look at their belt you know hopefully that 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 helps them retain that connection continue that bond oh yeah Um,
2: one of the most amazing things is when people like will show me something that was handmade for them like you know people will say oh this is my grandfather's belt and man there's so much meaning behind that those are those are special those are special conversations definitely
1: well that actually sparked and not an idea but just like the concept of why you want to make your products last so long because they can be passed down
2: yeah, that's that's my goal is for is for is for someone's son to walk into kindergarten with their dad's wallet or something or their dad's belt or something that I made. That's that's the, that's the whole purpose of this is to have something that you can pass down. And because um, I'm preserving my brother's legacy. So like my my slogan is "wear your legacy. And so I am I am the embodiment of my brother's legacy. And I want these pieces to embody the stories of of other people's adventures and and um and whatnot and for them to be able to pass on their legacy to their to their son or to a friend or someone you need who needs something like that. Um, you know, I've I've had stories sometimes of someone who's reordering a second belt that says, Hey, I met a homeless guy who couldn't keep his pants up, so I gave him your belt and I'm um, buying another one right now. You know, so it's you know <laughs> so, so It's amazing. I think so, uh, yeah. the
1: the connection you're making with people is I think it's such a beautiful a beautiful thing that you wouldn't have been able to do, you know, like it's not only that you're instead of showing you're not only just talking about your brother, but you're connecting with people in a real way. Like it's not about the mm-hmm. product, it's about the connection of people and who we are. Mm-hmm. And you're giving people a chance to open up um to you about their loss. I'm guessing that comes up a lot, right?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, it comes up a lot. I mean, um, I've had everything from yeah, I lost. I've I've even met people who've lost their siblings a week the week prior to meeting me, and um, you know they'll be like, I saw you, I saw your brand on Instagram. I lost my brother last week, and uh, you know I wanna I wanna order a piece for him or something or something like that, you know. And yeah, it's it's cool to be able to to say, well, you know, if you if you stick to staying responsible for yourself. And if you, if you can find a way to be creative, you have a, you have a good chance of of becoming a better person through this because the likelihood is that you can become worse. Like that's the scary thing. And that's what scares the life out of me is that if I lose control of, of being responsible and being, um, and being solid in my character, that I could, I could become a worse version of myself. And so that's why I tell people, if you can adopt more responsibility, and and challenge yourself to be a little creative through this process. You have a good chance of of becoming a, a better person through this. So,
0: yeah, I can I, I I feel that, and I think what you've done is you've anchored yourself to something solid. And I think if you start from there, obviously you always got to continue to keep an eye on that because that can move. You know, if you don't right s- go back to that anchor of whatever it was. You know, it's it's the passion, it's the love that you have with your brother. And it's it's also like the interest that you have in the work itself, uh, the the attention to detail, the desire to give your customers the best. That's all stuff that'll anchor you. But like, it's easy. It's easy mm-hmm. with whatever you do in life and business. We can all get you know, we go one way or the other. Uh, you know, maybe if I mm-hmm. pumped out a, lo- a few more waltz and lower my costs and whatever it is, right? <laughs> all right, yeah. That are constantly tugging at us.
2: You know, the other thing I think about grief is that it's a uh, especially with um, siblings who've lost their siblings to addiction is that there's so much pain involved. There's so much high, strong emotions, and there's a lot of people who don't understand. So there's this huge warning that I give a lot of people that I meet is, is this pain can, can make you a very, a person that you don't want to be. And it can anchor you to, to negativity faster than it can positivity. And that's why the adoption of responsibility, is so important because it will anchor you in in being in your values and in your character and in your integrity, and it can make you better. But it's, it's you're like you were saying, it's a daily reminder. It's a daily thing.
1: Do you find like talking to these people it helps ground you? Because for myself, even talking like if I'm having I'm in my head, or whatever, um, worrying or something, um, when I talk to people and they open about their loss, like that worry goes away, and then. After I finish, I'm like, wasn't I just you know like wasn't I worrying before or wasn't I stressed out before? Like, why am I so peaceful right now, after this like conversation? Mm. And I've always loved that aspect about even the podcast or just talking to random people on the street. Is like when you have those genuine conversations, it actually, it, it's benefiting to the like to myself. Do you find that when you mm. are hearing these stories, it grounds you?
2: Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes <laughs> it can remind me of. Sometimes it can remind me of. uh of lessons I need to remind myself, you know, it's like, sometimes I'll tell people this and I'm like, yeah, you should probably, you could add on a little more responsibility yourself. You know what I mean? So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) definitely. But you know, at the end of the day though, it's the, it's the people that have been there for me is, is who is the reason I am who I am today. Like I'm like the Blackburn family. Like that was my, that's my girl's ex-girlfriend's family. People like that, like my friend Jeremiah, like people like he's a photographer who's, you know, just instrumental. That have shown me that there are people who who do care, and there are people who are willing to suffer alongside you. And like those are the people that you should you should keep the closest.
1: That's true. That's very true. I'm glad you had those people in your life to allow you to get to where you are. And now you can be that person yeah. for for everyone else. That that comes right, into your like life. um,
2: yeah. yeah, like um, like the Blackburn family. They own this company called uh, Universal Waste Systems, and like they, his dad, I don't know her dad. Gave me a job, help me out, get get me back on my feet. And he didn't. It's not like he had. It's not like he had the work. You know, he had too much work. Like he just was like, hey, you know, let me help you out. Gave me a job. And so, uh, whenever I can, I try to bring people in. I've done this in the past where I just bring people in, and I pay them what I can, and just try to try to you know help them learn a little bit about leather work or something. You know.
0: That yeah, that's a beautiful point that you make because. You know it's the people that are around you that are your community and to see that your community step up and uh be there for you and during this time you made a great point that like you know you wrapped your head around the fact that it's better for you to be around people it's better you know and those people were around you They, they helped you and you saw value in that and and that's a great lesson for other people that you know it's important to kind of definitely surround yourself or, or hopefully be around people that are caring enough to understand what you're going through. Cause there can be a, a wide range of emotions.
2: Yeah, they can. And I just tell people that when you, when you notice people reaching out, bring them in, like, don't, don't push them out.
1: So I'm curious talking about uh, dreams. Have you ever had a dream of your
2: brother? If so, was he riding a motorcycle? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> was he riding a motorcycle. That's great. Um, You know, I'm a, i kind of more of a skeptical, kind of more of a skeptical person these days than I've been in the past. And so I've had one, I've had one dream that was of interest to me. It was about a year after my brother passed. Um, they, uh, I had this dream where I was being escorted by, by, I couldn't tell, I couldn't make out the, the person who was, I was on a tour and there was a person escorting my brother around a this building, and I was, I was, they weren't able to see me, but I could see them, and they're going through different slideshows of things, and as I look into the slideshow, it's actually, actually times in my life that my brother is able to see um, through this person telling him about what's going on in my life, and I, then I ended up finding out that it's actually a museum of my life that my brother was walking through, and he's being escorted um, by someone I didn't, I couldn't recognize, but it was a museum dedicated to my life, and, and I understood in the dream that my brother was getting the lowdown on, on everything about my life. Like that he was able to go through different parts of my life in this museum, and there's different, different you know, kind of like, you know, works of art in this and whatnot that he's able to see and understand what's going on in my life. It was the only dream I can say that, was, that I've had of my brother.
1: Wow, that's a very interesting dream, I must say. Glad you're yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Cool. Yeah, like, I, I, wasn't, able, I you, wasn't
2: able to make out the chores. I
1: was going to say, like, what are your thoughts on that dream? Like, when you woke up, like, what did you think about it all?
2: I was like, what in the world was that? Because I couldn't tell who the tour guide was. It was just someone walking my brother through all these parts of my life. Like I saw like my, I saw like my future marriage. Like I saw like all those different parts of my life that my brother was walking through with this tour person. And the, the, the tour person was just holding my brother's hand, um, walking him through all this stuff that he wasn't going to be there for, but he under, he knew that he, he was there. And, um, it was, it was, it was the craziest dream I've ever had in my life. Oh. I was like fixed in the dream and I was just watching him walk through this museum with the tour guide and they would stop at different parts of the museum and that would be a hallmark or a road or a road a road mark in my life and the tour guide would stop to explain what this meant to my brother and then he would understand and they kept moving and then but it was just one museum and then I I was I had this cognitive thing in 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 my mind that everyone has this kind of museum that our loved ones, you know, get to walk through and, and, and see these different parts of our lives that they might not be there for.
1: That's interesting. So and did that's you take all it, that,
2: that was in the dream. Did you take it as like a visitation type experience? No, I've never, I'd be, I'm way too skeptical to admit anything like that. Yeah. Um, so was- I just don't. I, so, and then, and then the other, the other thing that I've had recently is the last year I've had, Um, different dreams of, of my, of my hometown in Corvallis, Oregon. And I never, I didn't want to go back there because um, there's just so much, so much memories of my brother. Um, The first year that he passed, I I went on this um, journey of retracing my brother's steps through the world. I, I traveled to Barcelona, Spain. That's where my brother was inspired to become a chef and um i went on all on all the tours of that he went on i just been you know the past couple of years since he's been gone i've just been doing these things where i've been visiting the places where where he's been and as a as a form of closure and um the last place on my list was uh was my hometown of Corvallis, oregon and um so for the past year i've been having these just it was it's i i've been having them so frequently i can't say it's just like a coincidence because I've been having flashbacks of my childhood with my brother in these really specific places in Corvallis. And this last weekend was the, I went back for the first time in 13 years. And I went back and visited all these places like our first house in Oregon and our second house and our, our elementary school and our middle school and all these different places that have so much meaning to me in my life and the roots of 174. And um, I went up there thinking I was going to go up there and meet with my brother. And I ended up walking away, um, going up there and reconnecting with myself, um, like the kid version of of myself who still lives there. And um, it's been the most completing experience probably since I lost my brother three years ago.
1: Wow, that's so interesting. So beautiful that so you had that dream then you sort of followed that dream to the place where there was. They
2: wouldn't stop. I'd have them at least three, three times a week. I I just, they wouldn't leave me alone. And I kept running from them because I didn't want to go back there because of how much, how I knew how much my brother loved Corvallis. And he has a friend up there named uh, Nathan Smith, who I have a, I have a, one of the pieces in my line is named after him who's my brother's best friend. And I didn't really want to go back because of, of all these memories and going back this last weekend and going and seeing all those places, um, I didn't really, I connected with my brother, but, but the most important thing was I went up there and I, I reconnected with the kid version of, of me. And that's been the, like a completing thing in one, seven, four is, um, I feel like, I feel like I've come full circle with it.
1: Wow. That's beautiful. It's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. You got to that place where things are still being affected within you and you're finding more peace within yourself and you're, say you're connecting with your, your past self Um, your childhood self where there's probably some stuff there that I don't know if you were proud of if you didn't fully appreciate that but yeah like I don't know I'm looking at this I'm looking at the museum and it's like these landmark things are very important to you where it might not be for other people and it's kind of interesting I'm really happy you're following those I don't know if you had a choice but (laughs) you you followed it tried my best
2: to run away from it
1: yeah and I think there's something about you know avoidance is great for a little time but You know, like there's a certain point where it can be very beneficial for to face that and to challenge yourself in those circumstances, which you're doing with public speaking and meeting all these people. And now you're doing it with other areas like visiting places. And I think it's amazing that it can really help us in ways that we don't think. So Mm -hmm. they say like, it wasn't really about your brother, per se. It was really more about you finding yourself and connecting to your childhood Mm -hmm. self, which is, I think, phenomenal.
2: Yeah. And yeah, that's that's yeah, I went and I went and followed that. And, um, Nathan was with me the entire way we went, we went and visited everything together. And we, we all grew up, he had an older brother and, and then my younger, the four of us were um, inseparable growing up. And, um, my brother meant so much to my friend, to my friend, Nathan. And we went up there and went through all these places together and we walked away as brothers. And it's, uh, it was, it was, uh, the, I've never done anything like that. Like following a dream, you know, a thousand miles to Corvallis, uh, to Oregon, you know. <laughs> well, it, it,
1: takes, it takes a special dream I, a person to follow that and to understand that this may mean something more. And so it's great you did because some people will continue to try to write it off. So at the end of yeah. the day, like repeated dreams, there's meaningful in some way. And sometimes you need to interpret it per se. Sometimes you just need to go to the place where it's saying, like, where that dream is. Right. And that's what you did. Yeah. It wasn't really right. about interpreting the dream, it was about you getting that place.
2: Yeah, like I went up there and reconnected with a, with, with a version of myself who I thought was gone. And mm-hmm. I thought that all the pain of losing my brother had drowned out the kid inside of me. And I went up there and, and met, that, met that kid version of myself. And um, I feel, it's weird, I feel healed. I, mm-hmm. I You know, as as skeptical and mystical as I am at the same time, I, I feel complete. I feel, I feel more of compl- a completed version of myself than I, than I have the last three years.
0: It's uh, it's incredible how to just to hear you tell that. And it just looks, it just seems like you've done something that a lot of people actually either maybe don't get a chance to do uh, before they pass or or wish that they could do something like that on their deathbed. Like uh, just hearing, I've heard, you know, lots of different stories of, you know, like successful, you know, businessmen, you know, dying on their deathbed and their one wish is to go back to their childhood home and, you know, whatever, sit yeah. under the tree,
2: sit under the tree that they right.
0: live in, you know three you know and it's odd but you've actually done this and just to go back to the dream and your brother and he's do, he, was do, he did the same thing like he's in a museum rehashing all these amazing thoughts and memories and, and that's what museums mm-hmm. are they're, they're a collection of the embodiment of a society and a culture and so he's gone to this museum yeah. which is an embodiment of you and then you know timeline whatever you know, you move forward, you're getting these reoccurring dreams, and then you go visit these interesting places in your hometown that, that, that connection Mm -hmm. between, you know, Nathan, between your brother, between you, all this, uh, it's just, it it makes me just really realize that, you know, we can't really look at time as linear. You know, this is just all, it's related and it's connected. It's just not, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't want to look at it from a point of like, Oh yeah. And then he died and this happened, this happened you know, I don't know. This
2: is just crazy. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't just be a full on, um, I, I can be a materialist more often than a spiritualist, but there are things like this that I, that are are noteworthy. And, um, I just don't think I'd ever have the strength to do this if I didn't have amazing people like the Blackburn family and, and people like Nathan and my friend, Jeremiah. Um, and, even, and I have another friend named Jake at that marketing company. I don't think I'd be able to, to, have the strength to do this if it wasn't for that love and encouragement in those initial years. Really. I, I give it up to them. It, it wasn't strength inside of me. It was, it was this love from, from these very, a very small group of people because most people have moved on and they don't really take notice of my brother or, or me anymore. And, but it's those people in those initial years that I, I all my success is because of them.
1: Well, that's it's it's so kind of you to to shut them out, and but there's also a part of you that also wanted to heal. So don't forget to thank yourself. Oh,
2: absolutely, and, yeah,
1: uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Because I know a lot of people where well, there's people around and they just don't want to, right? They don't want to go there, and that's and that's on them, right? Like the people are there, they just don't. Yeah. It's not their time to go there, and so. But you, for whatever reason, you had the strength to go there and then do some things that people would say you're crazy for, even making a business <laughs> dedicated yeah, to your brother. Right. And so at the end of the day, there is this sort of kind of wild guy in you that's really following this sort of the voice of the wind. Like you're going where, where life's taking you. And I think that's, that's sort of what your brother embodied. And that's what you're embodying too, mm-hmm. in a sense of trying to figure out how to grieve and try to figure out how to complete yourself while you're living. And I think it's cool, I think it's amazing that you've got here and you're feeling better than you've ever felt before since his loss I and mean, that's a it's a powerful statement and i so I got to give it back to you and just say, man, like it's amazing who you are, and don't forget that because there's something beautiful about you yourself um that you've cultivated over yeah. these years
2: right I've just been so thankful- yeah right, and it's i just i just resist the, the i resist the spotlight as much as i can i i'm mean i'm a, I'm an insanely anxious person. And I just don't like. Um, I I'm the first person to to give the credit to. Uh, I mean, I, I just have such a. I need to work on that. But like, definitely, there's definitely something inside me that drove me there for sure. Mm. You
0: went into places that were uncomfortable. You went back home into this. So the. So you know, I, moving forward, I think that that's gonna be something that. You know, you're
1: you already a pro at it <laughs> you went back to your hometown <laughs> well and you're speaking on it on a podcast yeah. to the world yeah. so you know like i don't think you are yeah. where you used to be and it's funny how we sometimes I don't look, so either, yeah yeah we sometimes look back at who we think we are yeah you know 10 years ago and i'm anxious actually you're not as anxious as you once were so who are you yeah. now are you still anxious right like so if you compare yourself to 10 years 12 years ago well, you're probably not anxious as that, right? So then, who are you now? And it's really redefine who you truly are, not who you think you are. Mm. Sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so I got a uh, our last question as we wrap up the podcast is: if you could have a dream of your brother tonight, what kind of dream would you want to have of him?
2: Oh, the reunion. The reunion, yeah, the I have a photo on my in my phone of of my brother kind of looking out in on a, the last photo shoot we got of him looking out and it's just him looking out, and I just feel like that's going to be the sight that I see when I step into whatever's after this, or if there is anything after this, I don't know, but um, you know that would be the dream would be would be that reunion, and'd uh, that'd be a very sweet dream so where do you want it to be? Um, the, that, that's the, uh, I think it was taken in Oregon. It was, a, it was snow. It was a snowy, so, snowy setting. And, um, that would be the, the scene that I walk into would just be into that photo and my brother looking out and I walk up right beside him and say, you owe me a beer. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's what I'd say to him, <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> that's funny. So what beer would he get you? Is there... <laughs> what beer would you we have?
2: We were cheap. We, we, we were cheap. Probably Coors Light,
1: <laughs> you know, so that's, uh,
2: you know, and it's funny because my dad, so what happened is, you know, as 174 got bigger um, and continues to grow, my dad wanted to get on board to kind of have his hands in the process. So um, he stitches along. That's why we have two machines now, because he stitches alongside me.
1: And oh, so it's man. kind of
2: cool. So a piece that so a piece that someone gets goes through my hands, the brother's hands, that all goes through my also goes through my father's hands as well.
0: That's um, that's really cool. And um, my dad actually used to sew a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> it's weird. He had a sewing machine Sweet. as well. And, and so I got a lot of uh, experience in that. But it's man, that's special to hear because, you know, now you get to bond with your father as well. And, you know, your brother's there and all that. And man, that's awesome. I like that.
2: Yeah, it's been healing. It's, I'll tell you, it's been good for him. It's been good for him. It's cool when that gets sent out, it goes through to kind of two pairs of hand, two hands, you know, it's cool.
0: Well, you know, I, and again, like this is the type of uh, business that people like us can support. And I think people in today's society want to support. You know, we want to, you know, for, we're not just going to, you know, I think people now are waking up or we're not just buying products and stuff like that just for no reason, unless we need it. I mean, those are different. when it comes down to special things like belts and, you know, things we have around our bodies and, you know, things we use or presents, you know, I think people want a more holistic type of business to attach themselves to. You know, we want to know that that business is doing something for the right reasons. And then we feel comfortable buying and products or services from those type of people. And you're a prime example of someone who's going to move on and do great things because, you know, your heart is obviously anchored to the right things like we talked about earlier, just anchoring yeah. it to, to those core things. And as long as you stick to those, uh, that path, you know, there's going to be a lot of success, Jesse, and, and keep sharing yeah. your brothers you
2: know. sticking to the quality. That's it. And you know, when you, when you buy something from someone like me, that's supporting like a, like a family, like that's supporting a, a real person, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, I couldn't agree more with that.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, just hearing you, I think, um, I think you understand the value of having those conversations as well so i hope that like moving forward you know when you when you do speak to those people you know hopefully people can come see you and you know obviously i will i'll I'll encourage them here on this podcast to share their story with you so that you know you can have that moment with those individuals because i think you'll both gain from that um jesse we're gonna wrap up a little bit do you want to share can you please share your uh contact information and where people can reach you
2: you can uh you can find me on instagram 174 leatherworks and uh 174leatherworks.com
0: amazing um so yeah everybody check out his stuff i'm gonna go um, have a closer look at his page after this and uh yeah really excited and really it was a pleasure to have you on and you know, we had a great time and your dream is still uh in my head i think that's i just have to say i think that's one of the most beautiful type of life wrap-up dreams like because usually it's an image of like someone reading someone's life book or maybe even a movie to kind of remember but your brother literally went into a museum about you uh which is fascinating so all right we'll wrap up with our yeah (laughs) you're welcome uh so our stuff everybody can please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information if you have facebook you can join the grief dreams facebook group you can check us out on instagram and twitter at grief dreams Uh, and this podcast can be found on itunes podbean stitcher and many other podcasting platforms and of course you can check out dreaming of owl which is available on amazon Uh, it's an amazing little children's book um, to help them through the process of grief and dreams and yeah we'd like to wrap up our podcast with love and gratitude from us to you